Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Different verses skipping around. Amen. Starting probably with verse number 11, 1 Samuel 15, verse 11. Be skipping around there a little bit. But Psalms 119, verse 126. Amen. I'll be mindful of y'all tonight. Amen. In this place. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. Firstly, let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 15. In verse number 11 starting, you'll just follow my, my, my lead here in your Bibles. Although we have a screen, I still emphasize, please bring your Bibles. Please. And just look whenever I read and just make sure it's right. Amen. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 15 in verse, verse 11, Samuel was speaking and saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king for he's turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments and it grieved Samuel and he cried unto the Lord all night that is a tremendous statement right there there is something that occurred and happened that affected the man of God enough that he grieved and cried all night And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel. And behold, he set him up a place. In other words, Saul made him some type of place. You read other uh, versions of the Bible, and basically is saying that Saul or Samuel had made him some type of monument. He made him something. Set him up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. Skipping down to verse 17. And Samuel said, When thou wast little, he's speaking to Saul, When thou wast little in thine own sight, Saul, wast not thou made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. Skipping down to verse number 25, the Bible says, Now therefore, this is Saul now speaking, Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me. That I may worship the Lord. He's saying this to Samuel. Samuel said unto Saul. I will not return with thee. For thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. I want to read just one verse of scripture now. From Psalms 119. In verse 126. Psalmist David reads like this in that verse. In the lengthy, this lengthy chapter. He says, it is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. For they have made void thy law. For a little while tonight, I want to speak on that last phrase of Psalms Psalms 119, verse 126. They have made void thy law. Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight. Lord, I diligently ask for your help in the next few moments of this service. 
God, that you can order things, Lord, properly and rightly, God, from my lips. God, I know, Lord Jesus, God, what came on me, Lord, this week during the point of prayer. I pray, God, that you would help me, Lord, to execute that, Lord, to the best of my ability. Father, I pray, oh God, every hearer, Lord, that's here tonight, God, you know who's here. God, you have, Lord Jesus, perhaps ordained it as such, but nevertheless, Father, we, Lord, just praise and honor you, Lord, this evening for your word. We're grateful, Lord Jesus, God, that you can shine down into even the dark points and areas of our lives. God, and be the light. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated here this evening. There is, there is in modern day America a callousness that has come upon society as it would be years ago when you would tell a man the consequences of a deed that he had done against his government or against the law of his county, state, nation he would think twice about betraying that law. He would think twice about engaging in whatever activity that may be that would bring such a consequence upon him or his family. But that isn't necessarily the case today. As it is today, and I see the times in which you and I live that we still have a certain mode of government and a certain mode of law, but people seemingly really don't care about what's written or what is prescribed or for that matter what the consequences are that's associated with their misdeeds. From my estimation, from my armchair, so to speak, it's as though, and I've seen it time and time again, uh, cases that we would call great cases that are brought before the courts that they publicize through television and watch the guilty party, as it were, walk into a courtroom with a smirk on their face as though they were innocent and even many times attesting to the fact of their innocence and just sat there as though they were above the law, that it didn't have no bearing on them People can go through and murder life after life right now with no sense of grief, no sense of guilt, no sense of shame. Rapists can run rampant and do their ordeal time and time again. And when they're caught, they look almost at us as though we have committed some wrong against them. As though they almost live above or beyond the law, just a little bit calloused, if you will, to the measure of command and law that's in the everyday lives of our nation even yet today. And concerning not just that, but in other places, we read here in Scripture that this type of mentality that we see today not just crept into our natural secular world of just doing what you want to do by the, the seat of your pants and not concerning the consequences because it's as though you live above that or beyond that and it does not pertain to you 
I've come to realize as I grow older and older, and I know maybe I'm not that old, but as I grow older in this thing called a walk with God and the world and the church alongside one another, that is not just a mentality that has been reserved for the world, but it is a mentality that has also snuck its way inside of the church. The Bible, in telling the story of Samuel and of Saul, speaks of Saul in his beginning being a man of humility, being a man, if you will, as we have taught and preached at other times, a man that was hid among the stuff on his day of appointment to become king. He was one that was of a meager man, a man that knew his place, and he also that had a humility about the place and position that he was called to. But as it would seem, and time would go on, and he would serve in that capacity to a certain degree for a certain time, the command of the Lord would come to him and tell him you're going to go fight the Amalekites and this is the word of the Lord that you are to utterly destroy the Amalekites. And whenever the battle was said and done and the smoke had cleared from that battle, the Bible tells us that he had saved the King Agag and some of the choice fatlings of the lambs and some of the oxen and such choice to make sacrifices unto God and the Bible says that whenever Samuel rose in the evening and he was going to go confront Saul concerning these matters that Samuel was very grieved in his spirit and he cried all night over Saul because Saul had not listened to the word of the Lord he had cried all night because a man that the people had chose and that he had put into place that was a humble man, a meek man to begin with, had some type of characterization change and now he was a man that they had just told Saul, he just made him a place somewhere up there on the mount and he is also, Samuel knew, had done wrongly in the sight of God because he had not listened to the word of the Lord. And so the man of God all night is crying and grieving because somebody did not adhere to the word of the Lord. And he went and met Saul, and he spoke to Saul, and he told Saul, and he said, Saul, is it not true, in verse 17, that when you were little in your own sight, when you were humble, and when you were meek, and whenever you were mild, that it was at that point in time that God made you the head of the Israelites and that God anointed you to be king of Israel. It's not that when all of this happened and all of this took place, and surely it was. But now, Saul, because you have raised, raised to a place, a position, and you're making places for yourself and God's word that he has spoken in your life, you've not given credence to and you've not undergirded. You're acting as though God's word has no place or no authority in your life. David said the same in the Psalms. If you read Psalms 119, it is a psalm that David is constantly talking about the precepts of God, the statutes of God, the word of God, how he loves them, how he adores them, how he's gonna walk by them, how he's gonna hide them in his heart. He's talking about all these things concerning the precepts and the word and the commandments of God, how David himself was in love with all these things. But in light of his love for those things, David understood and realized something that there were other 
others that were not in love with the word of God as he was, that did not respect the laws and the commands of God like he did. As a matter of fact, he said, there are people that have made void your law. In other words, he's saying there's some people that believe God, but the precepts that you have, the laws that you have, do not pertain to them. They do not pertain to them. They think they think they have no gravity upon them in their life. And they live their life as though they're living it above the law. They have become a law unto themselves. Can someone say amen? amen. It's from my childhood growing up that I hear the stories of our elders. I hear the stories of my mother and of my father and the grandparents that I had before them. I've heard the stories of some of these gray-headed saints that oftentimes visit us in this place whenever sickness and health permits them to be here. They are here. And I hear from our elders tell us how people years ago, Bishop, were so hungry for God and hungry for the word of God that preachers would preach their sermons from a pulpit. And they might not have been the best educated and their vocabulary vocabulary may have not been on spot or just right and but they knew God's word and they knew the power and the authority of God's word and preachers would preach from pulpits with ease as they would speak the word of God and seemingly there was a response to the word of God that whenever that that sermon closed the altars were lined with people that were praying and crying out to God and wanting God to interact and involve himself in their life they they came to the altar because there was some type of a conviction that they felt through the service that came with an understanding that was granted through the message and through God's word. They accepted the fact that whenever that man of God was up there preaching and that God was saying, hey, you need to repent that every single person in that congregation felt like that meant them. Someone say Amen that God was talking to them. They weren't sitting there in a pious way thinking about how appropriate this was for so-and-so or how I wish such-and-such was here. But in that day, in that hour, maybe you call it simple, but I call it a little meek and a little lowly and a little humble. They thought that whenever that man was preaching behind that pulpit, he's talking to me. He's saying something I need to hear. He's saying something I need to apply to my life. He's saying something that I need to get under the shoulder of and up on my shoulders is that right the stories I hear of long ago is that rather than pawning off the words of the preacher as applying to someone else it's that they were realizing this is for me someone say amen and so when the preacher stood there and he looked at a congregation and said you must be born again everybody in that building said that I need to be born someone hear me they felt that he meant them. When the words were read in the scripture that except ye have the spirit of Christ, you're none of his. Every single person in that building felt like that's me. If I don't have God's spirit, I'm not his. They knew they were being spoken to by the word of God. But folks, we live in a different hour. We live in a different day. Someone say Amen. The prescription has not changed. The word has not changed. Now the very same scriptures are preached. Have people rally around them because they believe they're pertaining to everybody else except them. They're true words. True words. But those words are going through them. 
them and around them and seemingly never pertain to them. Right. Right. Folks, I got to tell you today that I've been burdening my heart this past week studying at home and there with my wife and all this stuff and so the kids' rooms have become my prayer rooms and I've been in there praying and I've been burdened I've been asking God some questions God how is it why is it that people can sit on an apostolic church pew and your word that was preached 15 years ago is still being preached now the plan of salvation that was 20 years ago is the same plan of salvation now and people can sit there and say isn't that good isn't that nice and I begin to ask myself why in the world does it take seemingly so much now to get a person to an altar of prayer why is it every time that we close the service people are flooding in the altars and saying it's me oh lord that stands in need of a prayer why is it we gotta ask everybody to come just to even have an altar full why is it God all these type of things happening in our generation and in our hour because I believe it's a societal evil that has become a church evil as well and that is people feel they have a special right and some, t- some identify with living if you will above the law and they've made the law of God void in reality some of the smirks you see on convicts that walk into the places that have done dastardly deeds. I've witnessed similar smirks on the church pew as I'm preaching the word and they're saying, that's not me. That doesn't pertain to me. You're not preaching the sermon that I need to hear. Let me tell you, every sermon that you are a part of in the house of God, you need to hear. You need... Someone hear this preacher tonight. I don't want to sit on a pew and say I'm bigger than that or I've went beyond that. I don't need to hear that type of sermon preached. I've matured more than that. Let me tell you, you'll never get so mature that every sentence, every word of this word does not pertain to you. Someone say amen. I don't have some special right. There's not something to hear right now that I'm living above the law. Folks, I gotta get beyond that. Amen, every every atrocity of every level. Amen, with greater intensity that people are committing every day in our natural world. People have bought into this concept and this idea that the rules don't apply to them. The regulations don't apply to them. The expectation of mankind, it does not apply to them. But folks, there's as I said, there's murders, there's rapes, all these different things. They're excusing their actions as though the rules do not apply to them. But reality they're living in a fantasy world that they created with their own minds and with their own set of laws and lawlessness they're living by their own law they become a law to themselves if you will they become gods what I'm finding for the 2016 generation is this we've not near matured like we thought we matured because we're in a very similar environment like the garden of Eden when the serpent told Eve, thou shalt not surely die. You know what the word being spoken in Eve's mind at that moment was? The law doesn't pertain to you. 
You live above that. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. And so if we want to look at it through that type of eye and look, say, say, well, we know what? We've come a long way, baby. We got great music and we got, we got the air conditioner. We got the sanctuaries. That is so. But in spiritual things, how far have we come? If we think that we still, that doesn't pertain to us. That doesn't pin no donkey on, no tail on this donkey. That doesn't pertain to me. Amen. The Bible said whenever God spoke through the serpent or the serpent was speaking and saying that doesn't pertain to you you shall not surely die God knows in the day you eat of it you'll become as God someone say amen in other words you make the rules you don't have to abide by the rules your law to yourself and so in my little prayer time this week as I was talking to God about all this and a little bit frustrated and crying and bickering back and forth with God concerning all these measures. God spoke to my spirit. And he said, I'll tell you what you're dealing with in your generation. You're dealing in entertaining the spirit of arrogance. A spirit of arrogance that says, none of these things apply to me because I'm my own person. And so I've seen it, Bishop, we've seen it. People sit on pews for years, here for years, faithful for years, and never totally surrender to God. Because why? Because they're arrogant enough to think every sermon that was preached wasn't for them. Every word that came across the pulpit wasn't for them. It was for somebody else. That was good for them. I'm living a little bit above the law. Some have sat in our pews, some of which you are aware of. They've heard the essentials of salvation. They've heard about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They've heard the gospel preaching, repentance, remission of sins, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. They've heard about without a relationship with God, they are none of his, and they've still chosen to go to a devil's hell because they had a spirit of arrogancy that said none of that applies to me I got a free get out of jail card there's something special and unique about me that those terms do not apply brother McGee why are you talking like this I'll tell you why I'm talking like this because the spirit of arrogancy that can climb on our pews on our people in this place It's nothing more but a demarcation of the end of time. Because the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and if you want to turn there with me, you may. Here the apostle Paul was speaking to his young, his young mentor, his young mentee rather, amen, in the gospel. He was speaking to Timothy. He was speaking to the one that he was training and educating. And he told him in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, amen, and let me find the verse here real script, real quick. Verse number one. This know also, Timothy, that in the last days... Perilous times shall come. For men, now you let me read this and see if it doesn't just ooze with arrogancy. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers, pleasures more than lovers of God. He said, Timothy, here is a demarcation of the last days. You're going to be dealing with a bunch of arrogant people. 
a bunch of arrogant people that's it's all about me and arrogance is going to be a sign of the last days it's going to be a sign of perilous times they're going to love themselves they're going to be boasters they're going to be proud they're going to be heady they're going to be high minded they're going to be unthankful he said even this they're going to be ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth why aren't they learning anything because they don't believe it applies to them And so with great reason, the man of God cries all night over Saul because the spirit of arrogance had stepped into his life where it otherwise was not and thought that the word that God spoke to him didn't pertain to him. And Samuel is rocking back and forth on his bed all night because he's dealing with somebody under his care that has the spirit of arrogance on their life. Because what can you say to someone that does not believe what you're saying applies to them? Honey, I can put together several million dollar words and it will not be convincing. I can go on the 40-day fast and preach right after it and it won't be convincing. Because of a spirit of arrogance, you make God's law void for your life. He says, listen here, Saul, when you was little, when you was meek, when you was mild, God exalted you. But now that you've exalted yourself, God's going to belittle you. The kingdom that you had would have stayed with you if you had accepted the word of the Lord. If you accepted the word of the Lord, you would still walk in tandem with the spirit of God. But that's not going to happen because you've adopted a spirit of arrogance and said the word of God doesn't pertain to me. Let me tell you how much of an insult to injury that was, folks. Because the word of God in Samuel's day, the Bible says, the word of God was precious in those days. There was no open vision, the Bible said. In other words, the word was precious. The word was a gem. The word was a commodity to be sought after in the days of Samuel. And for a man to say that means means nothing to me is to just add insult to injury to something in that generation that was precious, unique, honorable, charity. Someone say amen. amen. Honorable, honorable. He says, listen here, it's going to be stripped from you. You're not going to have any part with the kingdom. You're not going to, you're not going to go forward. It's going to stop right here today. Saul, in that moment, realizing maybe he had done wrong, I don't know. I kind of think that he's kind of, uh, he's kind of betraying the whole fact that he's going to be losing his position. You can call it what it was. I don't know if he had sincere repentance or not. I have the feeling that he had a problem that status was going to be lowered. That kind of hurt arrogancy. 
Bob said, oh, you know, I'm sorry about all that. I'm sorry about all that. Samuel, everything's good. I'm sorry. Why don't you turn with me now, Samuel? Turn with me right now, Samuel, and let's worship God. Go, go on and turn with me so we can worship God. But Samuel looked back at him. I'm sorry, son. I can't turn with you and worship the Lord because you rejected the word of God. You know what Samuel was telling that man? How do you expect God to receive your worship when you won't receive his word? You know what the spirit of arrogance will do? It'll cause you to come into the sanctuary and give all your shindig, halo, and great God Almighty to the Lord and sit there and not receive his word. But I'm here to tell you today, this preacher's not gonna stand by you and allow you to try God to receive something when you're not willing to receive his word. Not on my watch. Because it's a spirit of arrogance that would believe God would want our worship and us not want his word. Who do I think I am? That God would be vying for the attention of my worship when I care less about his word. really went beyond myself if I think God's pandering for my worship and I've made void his law in my life by my spirit someone say amen As you've heard me walk down the path before, and I'm not holding you long, folks. I'm not holding you long. And as I've stated in times past, maybe in recent days, of the story of Judas, remember Jesus said, there's one that sitteth at the table with me that betrayeth me. And they start going off like popcorn. Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? By and large, for the most part, you know what he was dealing with? People that received the word that he spoke as though it was right for them. John wasn't sitting there and thinking, you know, this might be Pete, you know. He's kind of hot-headed anyway. I know they had times prior and up to that point in place, but at the point that the word went forth, that there's one that setteth among me that's going to betray me, they're all saying, that may be me. Except for Judas that seems to linger a little bit. And after everybody's already said their piece, Lord, is it I? Why? Because arrogance is never accepting to the fact that the preacher or God's word might be talking to you. I'd rather have a thousand times this altar lined with every individual in this church at the close of every sermon than everybody else stay in the pew Because all that takes me back to is the story of whenever they went and got the one lamb that was lost and he brought it up on his shoulder and he was rejoicing and the Bible he said, it says that he left the 99 righteous. 
to go after the one that was lost. Sometimes I feel like in the closure of our services, we're dealing with the righteous still in the pew. That says I'm better than that. Don't preach about salvation. I already got that. Don't need any of that. Let me tell you, we need to maintain it. Don't preach about holiness all you want to. I got a long skirt and long sleeves and I don't put anything here or there or anywhere. I'm good with that. Let me tell you, that doesn't mean you can't succumb to a spirit of that somewhere in your relationship with God. That doesn't mean you're void of coming to an altar, crying out to God, speaking in tongues and saying, keep my spirit right. Keep my spirit right. Keep. Me going to an altar prayer, it's not me saying, man, they're a bunch of sinners. But what it translates to me is this. Here's a bunch of people that understand they can't make it without him. They can't enter their tomorrow without him. They can't survive without him. Salvation is because of him. And so I want to have the spirit of Mary that when God sends his word, I say, be it unto me according to thy word. You want to become pregnant with promise? Let every word that comes from the Lord be unto you according to his word. Well, it really don't pertain to me. That's all right. If you stay in a position that you'll be submissive to his word. The time when the proper seed hits the fertile soil. You'll become pregnant with promise. Who are you to be the decider about what is pertinent for your soil and not? But if you're continuously receptive to the seed. Continuously receptive to the seed. The right seed will fall at the right time because of your receptivity. And you'll become pregnant with promise. You understand, I'm not going much longer. I'm closing right now. I'm closing. Watch out, I'm closing. You don't believe it? Watch me. John 12, 48, St. John 12, 48 reads like this. Jesus is speaking, and he says, He that rejecteth me, and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken the same shall be a judge to him in the last day so the one that doesn't receive me and doesn't receive my word he said there's only one judge they'll have in their life and the judge they'll have in their life is the word that I've tried to speak to him during this life and I'll be their judge the word and so what we're doing as the old timers understood years ago when the preacher preached and they said that's me that pertains to me he's talking to me and they'd go to an altar and they'd cry and they'd confess and they would blubber and all over an altar and snot running on their clothes reason why they did all that is because the, ju- the, 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 the word that was going to judge them in the end they wanted it to judge them now let me tell you I'd much rather meet my judge along the journey in this life 
than wait to meet him in the end of life and have everything that he's speaking now saying, that really don't pertain, judge. I don't identify with that. And in that day, though, I'm without excuse and it does pertain. Don't allow a spirit of arrogancy to get in your crawl because you've been in church for 25 years and you've heard it all preached from Genesis to Revelations and sometimes two or three times five different ways. And say, we walked this road before. I know what they're going to say. You know what? Maybe you do and you should be glad you know. I know what they're going to say concerning this scripture. Well, thank God that you've been under his shelter long enough that you're hearing something for the fifth time while someone else is hearing it for the first time. Right. Thank God you know what it means to be saved and what it takes to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But there could be someone besides you don't have no idea concerning that. And so while you're bound up with all this knowledge and pious about it, why don't you share it with somebody else? There have been places I've preached, had revival services, and it was the characterization and personality of the church. You couldn't no more get the words out of your mouth that I'm finished, that people would start making their way to their altar. I sometimes look at my wife. I was so taken back by it because of the generation I live in. I'm like, man, these people just must really need God or something. What's going on? Man, what is happening? But understand that became, it was the personality and the character of the church. They were in the best time warp that you could be in. And that is understanding that when the word went forth, it was for them. And when the preacher preached, he was preaching to them. I know sometimes I don't look at people straight in the eye and it might seem like I'm preaching back there to the back wall, but I'm not. And nor am I preaching to the pulpit that's standing in front of me. I'm preaching to us. I'm preaching to us. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think God would lay something on a preacher's heart for an audience that didn't pertain to anybody in the building? I seriously doubt it. I seriously doubt it. I want to approach the services I want to approach the times that I'm setting in service as a time that God, what are you, what are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to say to me? Folks, I, I admit to you tonight, when I go to a conference or a special service and I'm not the speaker, I'm asking God, what are you saying to Pastor McGee? What are you saying to Pastor McGee? I'm not sitting in the back 90 and saying, well, thank God, here's a time to relax and just take it easy. I'm sitting about on the second or third pew. My wife and I are standing to our feet. We're clapping our hands. We're saying, preacher, preacher, why? Because there could be something coming forth in that moment that's going to birth a promise in my life. I don't know what word it's going to be. So I'm receiving the old seed, the new seed. The seed from the lip of a young man and the, the, the seed from the lip of an elder? Because I just don't know. I don't want to make God's law void in my life. You realize how serious of a condition it would be 
to make this void in your life empty, vain? No, no ability to perform or do? Could you imagine making this thing void and empty for your life? I'll tell you the best way to safeguard from that. Every time it's being put forth a seed, receive the seed. Receive the seed. That's for me. That's for me. He's preaching about forgiveness. I really don't feel like I have anybody I need to forgive right now, but he's saying it for some reason. That must be for me. So I'm going to ask God for forgiveness. I'm going to ask forgiveness for, for family and for anything. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask God forgiveness. That preacher up there is preaching tonight about how we can get a spirit of arrogance. Say, I'm not arrogant. I'm the last one that would ever be arrogant. Well, there's your sign. It tickles me to no end, folks. Oh, pharisaical spirit, get up on you. And you'll sit there, beat your chest and say, I, I pray three times a day. Thank God I'm not like this man over here. Glory be to Jesus. Oh, spirit of arrogancy. They're saying it doesn't apply to me. My prayer tonight is that we can flood these altars and say, God, safeguard in my heart and my life. Me from a spirit of arrogancy. And when the word goes forth through preaching, through teaching, through our pastor or any other man that would step into this pulpit, that I'm saying, God, that's for me. That pertains to me. That's speaking to me. Your word is saying something into my life. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.